five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to camp and back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Wake up, Israel. 
song for you, Masecha Oh, I feel, I'll 
Yeah. 
JM and the AM on a Monday morning. Hello, hello. It's a three weeks format Monday as um, Rummy Flom really got us through the first part of the show. Those amazing selections of the three weeks, including The Little Bird, Imeshkachech, Al Naros, Bavel, and Al Ela. You heard our Monday morning theme song. It's Mayor Sherman with Masecha Hashem. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Monday and it's July 9th, the 26th of Tammuz. Good morning, everybody. The year 57. 7-8, Tough Shinai and Ches, 68 degrees, 60% humidity, winds are south at 4 miles an hour. Sunny today with a high temperature of 87. Then tonight, clear skies, a low of 70. Tomorrow, sunshine and a high Tuesday, 92 degrees. Yushalayim is at 87 up in Guilford, New York. Our friends at Camp Missora waking up to 52-degree weather. Wow. And here we're at 68 in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Big hello to all of you as you uh, rejoin us for a Monday morning. I would assume that there are a lot of people on the road who are heading back from the Catskills area this morning, back to the city for a work week, and are joining us uh, right now, literally, uh, for a um, for a Monday morning broadcast. So if you're among those who waited, who did not in any way cave in to pressure to drive home Sunday night when the traffic was insane and instead waited till this morning. I thank you for tuning in and being part of our radio experience. Don't forget, you can comment on our app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Let us know where you are, what you want to hear, etc., etc. Big kudos to our staff for keeping our programming going all through the weekend, especially Avrami and Matis and everybody who had a role in our great programming over the last uh, 24 hours. So there you go. Lots going on, to say the least. I appreciate everybody tuning in. More coming up. Keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network, where we continue with Ari Goldwag at JM in the AM. Shamayi, 
Hey! 
Shiva Boys with Yismachu, a.k.a. Pella, had Yafya Fisa, you heard Yerushalayim, and the Vihinoam done by Ari Goldwag. Miami with Anna off of Around the Campfire, and Ari Goldwag had Amisrael Chai to open up that set. Monday morning, news from Israel is coming up, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web, at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. want to welcome those who are listening by telephone. Much appreciate the effort to uh, dial the number and tune us in. Want to welcome those who are tuned in on your way back from the Catskill region or from wherever you are, back into uh, area, our area of New York and New Jersey on an early Monday morning during the summer. Plenty going on, plenty to tell you about, and we will coming up here at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM in גליצה לשעה שתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. מבצע החילוץ בתאילנד, אדם חמישי הוצא מהמערה, כוחות ההצלה מוסיפים לפעול במקום. כתבתנו מאיה רחלי. 
גורמים בחיל הים התאילנדי מאשרים שאדם נוסף חולץ ממערת דם לואנג. הוא ככל הנראה הוטס במסוק לבית החולים בצ'יאנגריי והצטרף לארבעת הנערים שהגיעו לשם אתמול. חלקו השני של המבצע שהחל הבוקר כלל צוות הצלה נרחב יותר ומפקד הכוחות בשטח הבטיח כי תהיינה תוצאות משמחות כבר בשעות הקרובות. חבר הכנסת בני בגין מהליכוד אומר ליעל דהן, אני מקווה שחוק הלאום בגרסתו הנוכחית לא יעבור. לעיתים קרובות מדי מוגשות בכנסת הצעות חוק שלפחות בחלקן הן פרי תחרות שגורמת להיגררות ואני חושב שזה פוגע בנו במקרה הזה. אני מציע זהירות, איבדתי את תקוותי שבנוסח זה הצעת החוק לא תעבור. במוסקבה אומרים, מגוחך לקשור אלינו את מותה של דון סטארגס הבריטית. בהודעה רשמית מטעם הקרמלין נהדפו הטענות הקושרות את רוסיה להרעלתה לכאורה של סטארגס, והוא בא צער על מותה. הרשויות בבריטניה אמרו כי סטארגס בת ה-44 מתה הלילה אחרי שהורעלה באותו גז עצבים ששימש לתקיפת המרגל הרוסי לשעבר, סרגי סקריפל, בחודש מרס. משפטה של רעיית ראש הממשלה שרה נתניהו נדחה והוא ייפתח בעוד שלושה חודשים. כתבתנו מוריה אסרף. לבקשתה של הגברת נתניהו, משפטה שהיה אמור להיפתח בסוף החודש הקרוב יידחה לאחר פגרת בתי המשפט לחודש אוקטובר. הוא ייערך בבית משפט השלום בירושלים בפני השופט אביטל חן ולא בהרכב מורחב של שלושה שופטים כפי שדרשה הפרקליטות. כזכור, לפני מספר שבועות הגיש היועץ המשפטי לממשלה כתב אישום נגד רעיית ראש הממשלה בפרשת המעונות. ילד בן 12 נפצע בינוני לאחר שנפל מעץ בבני ברק. הוא פונה לבית החולים שיבא בתל השומר כשהוא סובל מחבלות בטן בעקבות נפילה מגובה רב. הפחתת המיסים ירדה שוב מהפרק לאחר שהכנסות המדינה התבררו כנמוכות מהתחזית. דיווח לראשונה כתבנו ניטה ענבי. הכנסות המדינה בחודשים אפריל עד יוני היו נמוכות ב-600 מיליון שקלים מהתחזית, אך הגבייה מתחילת השנה הייתה בהתאם להערכות. אחרי ששר האוצר משה כחלון הבטיח לבחון את הנושא שוב במחצית השנה, גם כעת אין עודפי ההכנסות שיאפשרו הפחתת מיסים. ועדת העבודה, הרווחה והבריאות של הכנסת אישרה פה אחד לקריאה שנייה ושלישית את הצעת חוק אי-הפללת משתמשי קנאביס. כתבתנו פיי גוטמן. על פי הצעת החוק, המשטרה תטיל קנסות בגובה אלף שקלים על ביצוע עבירה ראשונה ואלפיים על עבירה נוספת. בפעם השלישית שישתמש בקנאביס יצטרך להודות וייענש בקנס או בעבודות שירות ללא הגשת כתב אישום. הצעת החוק לא תחול על קטינים, חיילים ואסירים. מזג האוויר יוסיף להיות חם מהרגיל, הקלה בעומסי החום רק מחר. אלה החדשות שעורך אריאל זיגלר. Thank you. 
Oh, 
David Kalish off of Vokalish here on a um, Monday morning broadcast, heading back to work, back to school. Well, you know what I mean. Well, there are a lot of people with school this summer. But we'll say back to work and back to camp for those who are uh, in day camp and spend some of their weekend, um, you know, in their regular home situation. Uh, on this Monday morning, July 9th, the 26th of Tammuz, the second of the three weeks and nine days will begin this Friday with Rosh Chodesh Benachem Av. Don't forget you could sponsor all or part of a JMN broadcast. Go to the sponsorship opportunities at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, if you'd like to uh, sponsor part or all of our broadcasts. Speaking of broadcasts, by the way, on Tisha B'Av itself, there'll be a live Tisha B'Av program at the New Springville Jewish Center. You'll see and hear all of it with us at the Nahum Siegel Network. New Springville Jewish Center on Saxon Avenue in Staten Island has a live Tisha B'Av program open to all. Men and women are invited. It's absolutely free. Kinnas will be explained beginning at 9.15 in the morning. Barabbai Leo, Sun and Shine, Rosh Hashiva, Yeshiva Gedolo, or Shlomo Schwartz will speak in memory of Rabbi David Schwartz. And Rabbi Moshe Faskowitz, Rosh Hashiva, Yeshiva, Madrega, Sa'adam. Then at about 12.15, there'll be two uh, presentations on thoughts about Tisha B'Av, the first by Mayor Simcha Siegel in memory of Rabbi Moshe Weisberger, and the second by Aaron Raps, Rosh Hashiva, Yeshiva, Zichon Shraga, and a writer for the uh, TED. Mincha will follow at 1.45. You can watch the entire program on Tisha B'Av a week from Sunday at NahumSiegel.com. You can listen 
on our website, on our app, on our listen line. For information, you can contact the New Springville Jewish Center, Saxon Avenue in Staten Island. They're at 718-983-8063, 718-983-8063. So there's a lot happening on Tishabov here at the network. Uh, the morning will begin on Sunday morning with this presentation. Of course, Project Inspire will be a big part of our evening broadcast, or we will be a big part of their evening presentation uh, coming up toward the end of Tisha B'Av. So there's a lot going on. We'll continue to remind you between now and then. We have a couple of weeks to make sure that everyone's tuned in and to taking advantage of the uh, of the um, of all the opportunities. 23 minutes after 7 o'clock. It's JM in the AM as we continue on this uh, three weeks format. Thanks for keeping it here at the Malcolm Single Network. Oh, 
J.M. in the A.M., 28 minutes after 7 o'clock, Monday morning. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. If you go to NahumSiegel.com and click on Community Calendar, you can see some of the events that are happening, some of the things that are going on over the next couple of weeks, so check that out. Also, as we've been telling you, we have an amazing last week in July going on, really an amazing last week in July, the day after Tisha B'Av. We are part of that incredible Ohad concert at Queen's Hatzala. It is a men's night out, which includes a barbecue includes the amazing uh, Ohad in concert. Uh, we'll talk more and more about it as we get closer and closer. It's the day after Tisha B'Av on Monday night. On Tuesday, we leave with Nefesh Benefesh. You'll hear that show from the plane Wednesday morning here at JM&AM. Thursday morning, you'll hear the Yom NCSY celebration from Latrun in Israel. And Friday, you'll hear the uh, visit to Abate Meir. We talk with the NCSY summer programs. Um, during our visit to Abate Meir to NCSY Kolel on Thursday night. That's going to be the Friday morning show. We'll be back in time to get up to Camp Hask. The Hask experience happens on the 29th of July. It's going to be something. It's going to be an amazing day. You'll hear it all live and then again Monday morning at JM in the AM. And if you are planning on being up there for Hask Experience Day, Look forward to an amazing time. They have so much planned. It is absolutely unbelievable. So you'll have an opportunity to uh, visit up in Parksville, New York. We'll be part of that big celebration. There'll be a concert, etc. Should be a very, very nice day. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechanishmas Arav Zebni Alevi, and Zechanishmas Esther Basar Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The great Rabbi Yisrael, the Rav of Minsk, once related... There was a very wealthy man, and he was giving out donations to poor people in his house. There was a woman who was completely dressed in black, her face covered, that stood on the side and did not come over for a donation. At first, the wealthy man was just giving out small change. Afterwards, 
he began to distribute larger sums. Then he increased the amount until ultimately he was giving large amounts of money. At that point, the woman who had been waiting in the corner the entire time came over and requested an adava, a contribution as well. The wealthy man asked her, Why did you stand away? Why were you ashamed to come all this time? The woman said, Woe is to me. I used to be a very wealthy, well-known, important person. Many people made a living working for me, and I used to give freely to anyone who was underprivileged. I had a tremendous downfall, and now, unfortunately, I have to ask for help from others. I didn't want to be mavaza myself, to embarrass myself for a little contribution. But now that I see that you're being mechalik, you're distributing large amounts, I came as a broken person to receive from your generosity. And so too, Echa Yoshva Vadad, the city that sits alone, Ho'ir Rabosiyam, that city that was so great with people, Ho'isal Ka'amana, became like a widow. Rabbi Yisrael said that who is that Almana? Yerushalayim. When Yerushalayim sees that people are crying a little, it stays to the side. However, when the cries and the tears start to gather, and Hashem takes those tears, and He takes the tears, He counts them, and He stores away in this special treasure house, then Zion comes as well and wants its Nechama. Like it says in Shabbos, when it is asked, Who are you, Yakira? Who are you, my precious one? She will answer, I am Yerushalayim, the one that is desolate. I see that the tears are being cried, the demos, those precious tears during the three weeks before Tishabov. And now I come also to have a part in the tears at a time when the people are crying. She comes because she was sitting by herself all this time, and Hashem promised she would never be forgotten. Now is the time when we have the chance to cry and to mourn over the Beis Hamikdash, to understand the importance of this time that every tear counts. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Sasa in the same 
Cole Zimmer in there. Cole Zimmer with We Stand As One. The younger people in this audience may not even remember why that was such an important song, such an important anthem years ago. Not that long ago, but a good chunk of time ago, maybe 15 years ago or so. Very important anthem uh, at that time, to say the least, when Israel was the subject of constant, constant terror attacks in the middle of its cities, on its buses, and its malls, and its restaurants. And that was a very, very important song at the time. 68 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 87. Thanks to everybody who's tuned in from around the world. Much appreciated. Thank you to those who have called into our listen line to participate this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you to those who are on our app, the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Thanks, listener Devora, for that wonderful uh, comment on the app. A little while ago about those who are uh, about the students who are doing their return to school program now a voluntary one-hour study time at 2.30 in the afternoon and um, to everybody who's uh, tuned in everywhere around the world I say thank you and a reminder this is the second of our three weeks format we turn into a nine days format uh, next week and as we said, Tisha B'Av is going to be very, very interesting here at the Nahum Single Network. Tisha B'Av Day on that Sunday is going to start with um, the new Springville Jewish Center and its live Tisha B'Av program. Matis obviously will be on before that between 7 and 9. And then at 9.15, Kinnis explained with Rabbi Eliyahu's son and shine, Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva Gedola or Chada, Shlomo Schwartz will speak in memory of Rabbi David Schwartz, Right, Moshe Faskowitz, Rosh Hashiva, Yeshiva, Madrega, Sa'adam. And then at 12.15, Eastern, <coughs> Eastern Time, thoughts about Tisha B'Av. Mayor Simcha Siegel, in memory of Moshe Weisberger. And at 1 p.m., by Aaron Raps, Rosh Hashiva, Yeshiva, Zichron Shraga, and a writer for the uh, TED newspaper. Mincha will follow at 1.45. The entire program you could watch at uh, NahumSiegel.com. And, of course, listen on the website, on our app, via the listen line, information at the New Springville Jewish Center. Everyone's invited to come there, by the way. It's free admission. Men and women are invited. 718-983-8063. 718-983-8063. The Project Inspire event will be that night. We'll have it for you, of course, a couple hours before Tisha B'Av ends. So there is a lot going on, to say the least. And we have a lot of it right here, <laughs> a lot of it right here um, at the Nahum Siegel Network, I am proud to say. All right, so get ready for that. It should be a very interesting Tisha B'Av broadcast. Next week, of course, our barrel wine with some amazing new lectures that, that we have never played before, and I look forward to that. It should be nice. We'll have that for you. And um, i trying to think what else. I think what else I wanted to remind everybody about. Um, we'll go through our community calendar. Jake Novak, who's uh, part of our Monday broadcast with Novak Now, he'll join us 
about 12 minutes from now, checking on some of the current events that are going on, and plenty more if you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And JM in the AM. Ah, 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 ah,
Monday, Chaim Shal Shalom, that's Ari Goldwag. Monday morning, as many of you know, we have an amazing lineup every Monday here at the Nachum Single Network, right here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the Nachum Single Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. And I allude to that great lineup, Mayor Weingarten coming up at the Israel Show. I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to speak with Mayor before the Israel show begins at 9 a.m. At 10 o'clock, who would have thunk it? We have our very own sports show. Yoni Pollock is going to be leading after further review, and I would guess he'll discuss the uh, tragedy, if there is such a word. <laughs> All right, let's say travesty. <laughs> of The Yankees only, have four, ha- only having four All-Stars at the All-Star game. You know, Yoni, who's from Houston, should have a word with his manager that the Yankees really deserve to have more, but all right. That's for Yoni to decide uh, during the 10 o'clock hour. In the 11 o'clock hour, Novak now with Jake Novak. He is, in fact, our political and economic consultant and commentator and joins us live via telephone on a Monday morning. Jake Novak, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you for having me. A pleasure. You know, over Shabbos, so we were having a little bit of fun uh, trying to see if realistically, if things break right and if this president is reelected, if he'll have an opportunity to select four um, four justices on the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, I'm looking at it more carefully this morning. Four might be a little bit out of realm, but three is certainly within realm. Do you think so? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, actually, three could happen even if he isn't reelected. Um, wow. You, ha- you have some elderly members of the court. You know, you don't want to be morbid. I don't play Deadpool games, so, so don't accuse me of that. But, right. you know, you have some elderly members of the court, um, and you have some members of the court who may... Uh, we want to retire because of those health reasons. Uh, it, there's a lot of possibilities, and, and a lot of that, and nobody gambled on certain people who left the court. You know, a few several years ago, no one expected Antonin Scalia to be to pass away, and he did surprisingly. Right. Uh, so things like that can happen, and you know, we're we're all human. 
Um, you know, Richard Nixon wasn't even president for the full eight years, as we all know, and he, and he had a massive number of, of, of uh, appointees to the court. Well, so, he, had, he had three. He had three, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's a big number for six years. You know, six years. Yeah, it's really, funny. It, it's six. funny. He was, he was in office for less than six years. It's so, funny. Yeah. It was correct, right. I, I was thinking that, I mean, the last one who did four was Eisenhower. Yeah. But he was a two-term president. Yes. And I saw a statistic that was, actually, I was shocked I didn't know this until today. <laughs> FDR had eight appointments. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you would, you know, and and you would think he would have even more, right? Uh, being president for you know for more than twelve years, but you know, it's very important not to, and that's one of the things I'm going to talk about on the show today, not to put too much weight. Uh, not not you know the president's uh, uh, power to uh, to nominate justice is is huge. I'm not saying to underestimate that, right. but to to people often forget like well this president turned the court too far to the right or this chief justice did that the courts are very much like the political makeup of the country in that usually they're late to the party whatever the court does or what a president does not so much a president but the government in general congress is usually way late after the public has made a decision about a particular issue uh... in other words Take, take slavery as an issue. The abolitionist movement in this country was going on for decades and decades and decades before Congress even took it up. Right. So we shouldn't, you know, when, when we say the court moved the country to the right, that's a mistake. And it's something I want to talk about because my experience as a New Yorker, many, many of the viewers know, sorry, listeners know, I didn't grow up here in New York City. I mean, I, I did a, a decent amount of my growing up here, but for my first 10, 11 years, I was living in the South. Of the, of the United States, and, you know, your first 11 years is like your first 50 years. That's when you get programmed as a human. Right. And I saw something happen in New York. I moved to New York in the high-crime days of 1981, moved to Far Rockaway, Queens, which was really an epicenter of crime in New York City, unfortunately, and it was a real shock for me coming from a pastoral southern uh, background. And I saw this city change, and I didn't see it from the cops, and I didn't see it from the politicians, and I didn't see it from the judges. I saw it from the people, and I'm going to talk about a particular case that taught me that lesson, as I saw from the jurors in one very, very famous case in Far Rockway, and then the listeners from that area will know what I'm talking about, that took place in 1981, 1982. So it's the people who come first, and we should always remember that before we get too crazy about judicial nominees. Okay, but with that, <laughs> with that in mind, <laughs> yes. yeah, and it's funny because you're saying this as Kennedy's being replaced, yes. uh, you have to admit he, did, he made a couple of decisions that certainly altered the court's view of the United States of America. And for those who, you know, put a lot of faith in, in him as a Reagan appointee, yeah. you know, you, you could find at least two cases I could think of where he, he was pretty disappointing. Yeah, I, I think, though, however, uh, you know, while he was, he was the swing vote, but that's only relatively so. So, for example, if uh, President Trump uh, nominates a solid conservative and that judge remains solidly conservative, then, then John Roberts will become the swing vote. But that's only in relative terms. Yes, there were a couple of cases where Anthony Kennedy, I, I wouldn't say completely shocked the conservative world. Right, correct. But he was for the most especially part once a we conservative got to, Especially justice. once we got to know him, right. Yes, he was for the most part a conservative justice. I think he was mostly not disappointing in that sense. I mean, compare him to, some, you know, to, to Judge, Judge Souter, David Souter, who was one of George H.W. Bush's nominees. Right. He was a much more solid conservative. Right. He was a more solid conservative than Sandra Day O'Connor, who was Reagan's first appointee. Right. So I think... Again, I, I think it's, it's again it's all on relative terms, and I understand why. And I don't think it's inaccurate to say he was the swing vote, but understand that that was still coming from the conservative uh, ballpark. Interesting. Um, Jake Novak's with us. Novak now, of course, um, every Monday, eleven a.m. Eastern Time. 
Um, what do you think of the what do you think of the automatic reaction that so many in the Jewish community had? I doubt other communities around the world had it. That when these uh, boys were trapped in that cave, Israeli technology could likely figure out a way to get them out. Yeah, I mean, at first I was thinking, oh, this is really great, and then I thought, like, well, the Israeli technology actually helped find them. Right. You know, so, so they actually already contributed greatly to this effort. Boy, this is really something. I mean, I actually, you know, what I thought you were going to ask is one of the first things I thought of was, what was it, three, four, I guess four summers ago when those Israeli boys were missing for so long, the kidnapped boys, and, of course, their case ended up so tragically. And I think anyone who went through that, even if they were just somebody like me putting, tying, tying a yellow ribbon around a tree or whatever a lot of us were doing, it, it's, just, it's, it's a human story that we're all hoping for. And sure, we're hoping for Israeli technology to play an even bigger role. But like I said, it's already played a huge role because they would not have found them right. in the first place without some Israeli technology. But boy, anyone who remembers that from four summers ago is probably having flashbacks to it on an emotional level. I know I am. Yeah, no question about that. Um... I just found it interesting that there are people, especially, again, in our community, who, like, uh, you know, at this point, you know, just assume that Israel's going to— You know, I jokingly, when when the woman was climbing up the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> I jokingly posted, you know, who's going to call Israel and figure out— and, you know, and, and find out how to get her down, because, you know— <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say, what uh, what synagogue on the Upper West Side is that woman a member of? <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. So, no, no, listen, you know, I- Israeli technology— and, you know, it, it's not just the Jewish Seichel and the Yiddish Cup and all those kinds of things. What's, and, and, by the way, this is a story that's developing in Israel just as we speak right now. The Israel, over the last 20 years, has gone through this major deregulatory-type push from the top down that has allowed the startup nation to be what it is. You know, when we talk about startup nation, we usually think of, oh, this is, you know, Jewish minds and some of those folks from Russia who got that great engineering education who came to Israel in the late 80s and, and, and helped the tech sector there grow. And that's a big part of it. But another big part of it is that it's exceedingly easy in Israel to start a new company and start a new business. And that is where all growth and innovation comes from. Once you become a major corporation, Nachum, you not only stop being a major employer, by the way. You, you, you don't grow as an employer, I mean. You also really, the innovation stops. You'll, you'll notice when big corporations come up with an innovation, it's because they bought a smaller company, not right. because they came up with it on their own. And Israel is the king of not a lot, you know, it's just not big enough and it doesn't have the manpower to have these huge monolithic com- companies. And we used to bemoan that, like, oh, we wish Israel had a big car company or a big oil company. Not so fast. It's better to have a, com- a country that keeps growing new country- companies uh, in, the, in a petri dish over and over again. And, that, and, and I say that's a, a developing story in Israel right now because right now you have Prime Minister Netanyahu and his finance minister Moshe Kahlon in a major battle over union power in Israel, which Netanyahu still sees as a major roadblock to continuing smaller companies from growing in Israel and getting up a foothold. And right now the two of them are having a real feud over that. Interesting. Um, So it's better to spread a wider net, let's put it that way, of technology and innovation than to worry about, as you described it, you know, having one or two massive companies that dominate your economy. Yeah. For example, you have Amazon now. So Amazon... Is still growing tremendously because they're 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 just they're taking over a lot of new industries, but at some point their ability as a hiring agent in this country is going to slow considerably because they just aren't going to be they're going to be looking for more. Uh, what bigger companies do is they look to cut costs. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it, and, and employment and labor is a big part of that. And why start a new company or, or a new innovation? And if there's so many great examples of that. You know, so many of the uh, Apple is a, has, owes a lot of its success 
to the fact that Xerox wasn't willing to expand and start new things. I mean, we used the mouse. It was really Xerox that, that developed it. But they gave the technology to Apple because eh, they didn't want it. They didn't want, that wasn't their core business, and they were looking to cut costs, and that wasn't what they wanted to do. I mean, now Xerox is, is a shell of its former self, and look at Apple. So right. things like that are, are important lessons to learn. Interesting. Jake Novak's with us. You can hear Novak now every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so today we have the Supreme Court nominee. Yeah. It's going to happen today at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, the announcement officially at 9 p.m., my, I, I'm not going to – I don't bet on nominees because – Unlike elections and things like that, I have no polls to work with. You know that I can even that I can adjust for. But I will I will be surprised if the name doesn't leak out before 9 p.m. You know the, the right. nominee ends up going to the White House to be at the ceremony. Someone's going to see him or her. So I, I have a feeling. Uh, I feel like 6 p.m. 7 p.m. That name is going to come out. And what type of summer will it be? Will it be a big battle in Congress, or obviously it depends on who the nominee is? Yeah, no, it'll be a big battle no matter what. Uh, as many people have said, he could choose. Moses, he could choose Jesus, <laughs> depending on your religion, uh, and there would be a battle. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for the battle. The Democrats, you know, listen, the Democrats have, have a big problem that not enough people talk about, in my opinion. They've got tons of problems, so do the, the establishment Republicans. But the Democrats' biggest problem that not enough people talk about is, Malcolm, they don't have a leader. They don't have a candidate. Now, right. it's a little early for that. It's okay that they don't have one right away, because 2020 is, is – but I think six or seven months from now, if they still don't have a leading kind of candidate who looks like he, he or she could beat Donald Trump, they've got a problem. So in the absence of a candidate, they have to throw a tantrum. They have to show like they're really, really resisting the president, and they have a major issue on their hands. So they're going to make this nominee about Roe v. Wade. They're going to try to scare people into believing Roe v. Wade will be overturned, which, by the way, no serious legal expert in America believes that will ever happen. Some states might continue to restrict abortion, and that's where the court could play a role. But a nationwide overturning of the abortion laws, whether you like them or not, is, no one really believes that will happen. Mm-hmm. But that's not important. for The, the Democrats have to have fundraise off of that. They need to frighten their, court, their base supporters in, into that. So whoever is chosen, I, you can bet that the Democrats will come out the next day and say, this is a, this is a nominee who will, who will overturn all abortion rights for all women no matter what, and thus we must uh, you know, lie down. They'll, they'll probably even try a standing filibuster in the Senate, which will last as long as they can stand up. Luckily, the average age for a senator is between 90 and died last Tuesday, so they won't <laughs> be able to stand for too long. But, you know, that's what's going to happen. And it'll be, you know, it'll be one of those things where it's just kind of a, a shanda. It, it'll be an embarrassing... Uh, sound and fury signifying nothing, because honestly, there's very little they're going to be able to do. I doubt President Trump will choose a nominee that will turn off two Republican senators, and that's really all that, that needs to happen. If, if, if two Republican senators are, if, he can't, if they can't get two Republican senators to vote against the nominee, then it, that's all she wrote. Interesting. Um, uh, two other things. First of all, you mentioned the Democrats have no leader. You know, yes, yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, uh, uh, the mayor of the city of New York was visiting Bernie Sanders. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah and, yeah, and already someone speculated a Sanders de Blasio ticket. What do you think of that? Well, there's a large graveyard filled with former and, and current <laughs> New York City mayors who think they're going to be president. Right, that's true. Uh, starting with uh, people, you know, a century ago. Uh, the the more recent examples are John Lindsay, who was the mayor of New York City in 1960s, got extremely lucky in both of his elections. He was he had two terms as mayor. Just a, a, a an upward, a, sort of a positive feeling in New York got him reelected despite you know a really poor record on his behalf. He came in as a Republican, changed his party to Democrats because he figured he had a better chance against Richard Nixon. You know, Richard Nixon won a huge landslide in 72, but, uh, but in 70 and 71, his poll numbers were way down. He got lucky with a good resurgence of the economy, and people liked the Chinese uh, rapprochement that he made. And, of course, he ran against a, a, very, a totally unelectable George McGovern. Right. But... 
the point, and then you had Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, who couldn't even win a decent number of percentage of votes in Florida, uh, where you would think he would have done well. New York City mayors don't do well. This is one of the reasons why Donald Trump is such an anomaly. You know, a, a big New York type, big New York personality type with a big, thick New York accent, I thought had, would never have a chance to win an election uh, outside of New York, and yet he did that. But I think a big reason why is because he wasn't a politician, and, and we can talk about that in another show for a long time. But New York City mayors who think they can run, not forget about this president, who think they can run for governor successfully, right. are out of their minds. It's right. just a different electorate, a different game. And um, if de Blasio tries to run, whether it's with Sanders or anybody else, he's going to be embarrassed when he runs in Iowa and comes in ninth out of eight candidates. Right. I mean, that's what's going to happen. So it's, um, it's the second best job in America, but you have to realize the Peter Principle will keep you at that level and that's it. Yeah. Uh, never to advance. And you should, by the way, someone should say this to Andrew Cuomo, because I would bet he has some uh, sights in the White House. Cuomo's in the same position. I, I almost wish he runs right. so that he can go to Iowa and see how unappealing and unpersuasive a person is. By the way, I, I'm, I'm getting more and more of a feeling. Is it just the positive press she's getting that, that, that Nixon's you know, making some headway against him? Is that a completely wrong impression? No, she'll, she'll make some headway. She's not going to win, but she'll get, some, she'll get a higher percentage than some people think, and this will severely undermine Cuomo's presidential aspirations. The reason why is, again, Cuomo is in that office for a couple of reasons. There was a scandal that got him in there. Uh, you know, David Patterson took over for, uh, for Elliot Spitzer, but that really it cleared the decks among Democrats who had been running. So Cuomo got to be governor earlier than I think he expected to be. And he, and he won on his name. His, the Cuomo name is, is popular downstate, and right. it, it won him the office. You see him in personal interactions, and you see the way he talks and the way he looks. He's not the kind of person who makes you happy. He's not the kind of person who makes you want to vote for them. And, I, again, you probably heard me say this. I don't care if you're Einstein or the least educated person in America. We vote in America, and, and people get very upset when I say this because they all believe we're better than this. But we vote based on, our, on an emotional connection we make with a candidate within the first five to ten minutes that we see them. And sometimes they have a chance to reassess that, but that's about it. Now, if you're emotionally well-adjusted, the candidate that your emotions choose also makes sense on the basis of other data and other reasons. But the fact is, we vote for personalities in this country, except, except in these midterm type of elections where most of us don't even know who our congressman or senator is. That's a different story. That's when we might vote on an issue like the economy. Right. I would so think. Andrew Cuomo just does not have a persuasive personality. And by the way, neither did Hillary. And that's the biggest reason why Hillary Clinton didn't win. You know, there are a lot of people who believed in a lot of the things she believed in, supposedly. But her voice was like chalk, you know, fingernails on a chalkboard, and they weren't going to vote for this person no matter what party or issue she represented. Right. People just didn't like her. It was, no. it was more than not relating to her. People right. didn't and, like her. And they're her. afraid to say that. You, know, you don't want to go and say, like, well, I don't just like her. You know? So you come up with emails or you come up with a bunch right. of fake reasons. And I don't think that these are phony issues. I'm not saying they're phony issues, but they're not the real reason why you vote or don't vote for somebody. They're, listen, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I promise you there are psychiatrists who have written many, many volumes of this. They've convinced me, speaking of persuasion, that no matter how smart I think I am, and sometimes I don't think I'm so smart, so don't worry about that, but no matter how smart we think we are, it is an emotional thing, just like that, that's the way we choose a wife. And you hope that you're rational enough that the wife or, or spouse that you choose makes sense on a rational basis. But I hope that you don't go to your parents or your friends and say, well, I'm marrying you know, Sheila because she's the most qualified to be my wife. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jake, i got to ask you then, and, and this is how I'll wrap up, because people, people in this area in New York will, be, will, will, will have a big question mark uh, in, yeah. the, in their mind if I don't ask you about it. But I'll do it this way because of what we just brought up. Yeah. Uh, why can uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez beat Crowley, but Nixon can't beat Cuomo? Well, she is a much more attractive candidate. Alexandra, she, 
she may not be as poor or as humble and upbringing, you know, have a poor and humble and upbringing as she says she did. She grew up more in Yorktown Heights and, and not so much in the Bronx. But she's a younger candidate. She does not seem like a career politician, although from an from a ideological point of view, she is a career kind of politician. But she absolutely is a more persuasive person. And I warn conservatives and Republicans not to poo-poo her so quickly, because she is a more attractive, in many ways, candidate than anybody else. And that's how we vote, folks. So people are going to look at her. You know, I can just see now Upper West Side, elderly Jewish women looking at her saying, she's a nice-looking girl. I, you know, I'd love her. You know, if she were Jewish, I'd marry her to my son. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's the way people think. I know it sounds I'm, – I'm really not trying to belittle anybody because that is just the way even smart people think. So she's got a lot more persuasive appeal, and I would, I would warn people against thinking she's not going to go any further than this. She could. It's very possible she'll crash and burn on her socialist agenda as well because she may not be able to persuasively present it very well. But if she sticks with her personality and that smile, watch out. So you're not convinced that the, the, the desire among the electorate in that district, among the Democrats in that district, was simply you know, change? They just wanted to have, make a change? Just, you know, they'd gotten sick of the old candidate? There's no, there's no possibility that that's all it was? Uh, if, so let's put it this way. I think that that election had a lot to do with, uh, with, uh, with race and with the fact that she's a Latina. But if it had been an older uh, career politician Latin, Latino man running against Crowley, he wouldn't have won. So let's put it that way. You, yeah, you've you got to have the, 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 back, the, you know, the sort of calling card and the resume to win in, 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 a, in, a, in districts like that. But you still have to have a personal, personal look. Now, again, I, midterm elections, you have to throw out personality most of the time because a lot of people don't know who their congresspeople and certainly the person challenging their congressperson is. Right. But in this case, she got her face in front of the voters in door-to-door type of electioneering, which, by the way, way too many candidates in America have thrown out. You know, they, we talked in yep. the presidential election about how Hillary didn't even visit states like Wisconsin yep. and Pennsylvania or whatever. It was. I, I know she didn't go to Wisconsin. I, I think she also didn't go to Michigan. Right. So that's in the presidential election. By the way, even at the local level, there's not enough of that. Yep. I can't tell you how many times, even people for, like, city council or for, you know, here on Long Island, where I live in Nassau County, for, like, the Nassau County legislator, they don't actually go door-to-door anymore. Look, I don't know what they're thinking. I've said this a million times. When Squadron beat Connor down yes. here, yeah. it, it was only because he knocked on every door in the district. That's right. And, 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 I think, and, and she did and, that. And you mentioned uh, city council. I, I can cite more than one city council race yeah. in, in our area, that, and in our community, I should be more broad about it, yeah. um, that, uh, that was decided only because the candidate took the time and the effort to literally knock on every door. Absolutely. Simple and it, and it's just so it's amazing to me that people throw this out. It's one of these it, – it, it's so silly – and it's one of those things that and, – and, you know, Donald Trump went to a lot of – you know, when he went to Detroit and all these other places, actually, I thought he was going to go to Baltimore at the height of the violence there. I think that would have been an even bigger bang for his buck. But showing up – I mean, 90, what does it say? 90 percent of life is showing up. Right. And in the Republican Party especially, there's a major, major bonus for doing that. Jack Kemp, the late Jack Kemp, used to always say, don't fear the voters. And that was his way of saying – uh, doing what he actually did. Jack Kemp was famous for walking through the streets of the roughest neighborhoods in the country. And places like Harlem, they even like Jack Kemp. I mean, you mentioned Jack Kemp to some of the leaders in the community in Harlem. They'll praise him to the skies, even though he was a Reagan Republican, because he came to Harlem, he made a difference there, and, and put his feet on the ground. Boy, I don't know why they don't teach this in, in whatever you know, public policy schools, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure they're not because they're too busy being in their ivory tower. <laughs> Running for office 101, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Jake, you're amazing. Well, listen at 11 o'clock this morning. Thanks so much for all your insight and your commitment. It's much appreciated.
My pleasure. Thank you. Jake Novak, for us, he's the host of Novak Now, a great political commentator and economic commentator. Uh, you'll hear him at 11 o'clock this morning, uh, Eastern Time, right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Looking forward to that and always look forward to uh, pelt, pelting him with questions and getting his answers here at JM in the AM. 25 minutes after 8 o'clock. More coming up. Here's Ari Goldwag at JM in the AM.
חלק יאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תזכור תמיד את התקווה. אין חיוך בן אדם, יש ניסים כל הזמן, לא לבכות את הכל איתנו. אסור לך להתייאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תזכור תמיד את התקווה. אני מאמין
school if you have it back to work certainly and back to camp for those who are heading back to camp <laughs> uh, and i thank you very much for tuning in everybody being part of this unique radio experience big day here at the nahum Siegel network mayor weingarten's going to follow me starting at 9 a.m with the israel show yoni pollock he'll talk sports as i said he's likely frustrated as any uh true baseball fan would be there are only four yankees on the all-star team <laughs> I say that because Yoni's favorite manager is the one who chooses the All-Stars. So get to have a little fun with him. Jake Novak at 11 o'clock. I want to thank Jake for being on earlier. I want to remind you there will be a live Tishabov program right after Matis finishes uh, JM Sunday on Tishabov. Uh, we'll be live from the new Springville Jewish Center on Saxon Avenue in Staten Island for a live Tishabov program. It's free admission. Men and women are invited. It happens at 120 Saxon Avenue in Staten Island with Chakras at 820 and then Kinos Explained starting at 915 with Rabbi Elio, Sun and Shine, Rosh Hashiva, Vishiv Gedola, or Chadash. Shlomo Schwartz will speak in memory of Rabbi David Schwartz. Rabbi Moshe Faskowitz, Rosh Hashiva, Vishiva, Madrega, Sa'adam. 
That's all happening uh, between 9.15 and noon. At 12.15, thoughts about Tisha B'Av with Mayor Simcha Siegel in memory of Rabbi Moshe Weisberger and Rabbi Aaron Raps, Rosh Hashiva Yeshiva Zichron Shraga and writer for the uh, Ted Naaman. Uh, Mincha will be at 145. The entire program you'll be able to watch live at NahumSiegel.com and, of course, listen on our website, on our app, and via the listen line. Information about all of this happening in Staten Island, Tisha B'Av morning, 718 718- 
J.M. in the A.M. There you go. Another great selection from Ari Goldwag, who has a lot of uh, wonderful selections for the uh, three weeks. Hey, coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the next live edition of the Israel Show. And uh, Mayor Weingarten is, in fact, doing a live show. You know, we give our hosts the uh, option, especially this time of year, they need a break. They don't necessarily have to do a live show, but I'm proud to say that especially today on Monday, all of our hosts have chosen to do live shows, which is really wonderful, and their commitment is to be admired, and we do admire it. Mayor Weingarten, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Boker Tov Nachum. Boker Tov. The Israel show starts at 9 a.m., 15 minutes from now. I would guess there's a... I think you're supposed to say Manishma or something. <laughs> Sorry about that. Of our conversation, but it's Okay. <laughs> I managed to make my way through that little chain curveball that you threw in. There was uh, something happened over Shabbos I wanted to share with you. Now, of course, I can't remember what it was. Um, anyway, I'll think about that while you tell me what's happening on today's Israel show. Well, we're going to focus on something that I find absolutely amazing, and that is the continuing uh, terror attacks on Israel mm. daily in the dozens which burn a, a territory. Now, you, you're, you have a lot of family, and you're familiar with the city of Petah Tikva. Right. The area that's been destroyed by fires that have been set by kites coming from Aza is equal to the entire city of Petah Tikva. Oh, wow. And, I mean, and, and where is everybody? And no, it, and where is everybody? It seems nobody's doing much about this. Yeah, so that's what we'll talk about. We'll talk about, um, I'm actually going to read um, a, a translation of a column by Nadav Haetzni, who um, wrote this past weekend, and um, he, he asked some very good questions. But it, it fascinates me, like certain things capture the attention and certain things are ignored. Who sets that agenda? Yeah. Is it the media? You know, we're, 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 the whole world is riveted by these kids in Thailand that are stuck in, a, in this cave. I don't, I don't understand exactly how they got in and that whole story. But yesterday's news in Israel, the newscast on Arut Stein, which is the most watched newscast in Israel, the first three stories were about that. Hmm. And then, like, the fourth or fifth story was about, oh, and the fires in, uh, you know, in the south, and President Rizlin came to visit them and all that. I, I don't get it. These people that are living there are being tortured. Could be, I don't know. I, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that so many people in Israel on the left supported the quote-unquote disengagement ah, that, that it, now they're... The media doesn't want to pay attention to what's really happening. That's interesting. That yeah, could be. That, that could be, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about... Um, not not at length, but we'll mention the. I know you spoke to Malcolm about it on Friday. The Ellie Cohen watch, right? The wristwatch. The wristwatch. It's just, uh, <laughs> just 
never ceases to amaze me. All that the Mossad can do. Um, <laughs> and we'll have some thoughts about the, the upcoming Tisha B'Av and what it means to us. And we live in a very interesting time, so Tisha B'Av should have a lot of different meanings to us. And we'll talk a little bit about that. That's all coming up. The Israel Show with Mayor is uh, starting at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to like the Israel Show Facebook page. That's uh, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. So oh. I, remember, I remember what I wanted to tell you. Oh, go. You, I, I, you, you may know. I don't, I, I'm not putting you on the spot. I just don't remember which schools in Israel you work with and which ones you do not, uh, meaning professionally. But Derech Eitz Chaim, you've heard of them, right? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. All right, so it's Yeshiva in Harnof, and it's Rosh Yeshiva Rabbi Katz was uh, where I was for Shabbos, and I had the opportunity to hear him on um, on Shabbos speak during Shalashudas, during Sudash Lishit. And um, he spoke about, he spoke of, of, well, not of course, but if, if you know him, uh, you know, he, he, he made sure to mention, um, uh, you know, that uh, how amazing it is to live in Israel. He's been there since 1981 and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he said that, uh, and I know you've made this point a million times, but I I guess I I felt I wanted to tell you this, especially on the air, because it's nice to hear when other people echo these types of things. Uh, He said, as you drive from the airport, he says, I will land. I will land in Tel Aviv this week, and I will drive from the airport to Harnov, and I will be in the middle of a massive traffic jam. (laughs) Jewish alive. He says, guarantee, (laughs) guaranteed I'll be in the middle of a massive traffic jam. And this, and I will say to myself, this is what the Navi Zachariah was talking about. Yeah. This is exactly what he was talking about. And as all the, and he mentions, of course, a whole list of things that, that go on in daily life in Israel now. Right. As right. all this is happening, this is exactly what the Navi had in mind, and this is how we know that we are literally in an era of Zman HaMashiach. And he said, it may not, it may not be me who enjoys it. Maybe, maybe it'll be my granddaughter, who's now living in Chutzlaretz, but hopefully soon will be living there. Maybe it'll be my granddaughter, but very, very soon, relatively speaking, all of this is going to be enjoyed by everybody as we get closer and closer. And I thought you'd find that nice. I, I love it, and I, I usually say that we are the actors who are acting out the play that was written like 2,500 years ago by the Nevi'im. Yep, pretty amazing, huh? They, they wrote the words, and, 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 and we're acting them out. It's one after the other. You, you, there's someone who you know very well who is um, compiling a list of Nivuot that have already come true. Oh, my gosh. I got to see that. Okay. I'll tell you off the air who it is. Tada, Mayor. Vivakasha. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. Ule 
Say that's the sin, 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com. On the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing and incredible Monday here at the NachumSegal Network. Hard to believe it's three weeks programming so full with so many great things. I want to thank Jake Novak. I want to thank Mayor Weingarten. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, plenty more tomorrow starting at 6 a.m. And, of course, coming up next, Mayor Weingarten live with the Israel Show. After that, it's uh, Yoni Pollock live with After Further Review. After that, it's Jake Novak live with Novak Now. So much happening right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.